At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. We're talking about righteousness. Amen? God's righteousness. It's real, and we have to understand His righteousness from His perspective. Something so vitally important that we individually have to understand the righteousness of God from God's way of thinking and operating. If we don't, it, 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 it messes up everything that we were created to do and accomplish in the earth. It, it, actually, it actually causes the plan of God in our lives to self-destruct. I'm convinced of that. When we don't understand what His righteousness truly is, it hinders everything about our lives because our thinking is so off. And literally, it's as though we are walking and living in this earth under the law. Today, um, I've got, this is our second message on this, I've got a, a couple of scriptures that we talked about last week, but then I have several more that just talk about what, what I'm sharing with you this last week and today is just the elementary truths of righteousness. Just, I mean, so elementary. But elementary doesn't mean when you're, when you're listening to something or receiving something from an elementary perspective, that doesn't mean a stupid perspective. That doesn't mean an ignorant perspective. That means a, a perspective that, if understood, the foundation of that builds everything else. You know, this, I saw them pour the foundation of this building. I saw the foundation poured. And it's a really good foundation. And the rest of the building here would not stand and it wouldn't in 10 years, had it been a shoddy foundation, it would have fell. I've seen places where that were built and when I lived in, in uh, McAllen, Texas, I, I remember there was a, a house built and I remember seeing it, really gorgeous house, pretty good sized house. And about two or three years in, it was a two-story house. The top level, like, caved in. And, and, it, and things were shifted there, and they had, to, they had to, you know, just totally bulldoze the whole thing down, and they had to start over. And I found out from somebody that said that the foundation was not good. And, and because of that, the house shifted, and parts of it just fell. And that's what happens to your spiritual house when you don't have the foundational truths. I'm telling you today that you are right with God. If you're born again, you are right with God. The definition that I gave you last week for righteousness is, and it just there's many definitions, but this one goes in line with what we're talking about. And righteousness from from an action standpoint, is doing what's right from a heart free from guilt, sin, and shame. 
guilt, sin, and shame. If you are born again and you're living in the righteousness of God, then you are free from guilt, sin, and shame. If you're born again and you're not walking in the righteousness of God, you're still free from guilt, sin, and shame, and everything else. The key to victory is realizing it and understanding it and walking in it. Can you say amen? Second Corinthians 5 and verse 21. For He, the Father, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, everybody say, He knew no sin, to be sin for us. He made, God the Father made Jesus sin. He made Him sin for us, for me, for you, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him, that we might become that. So, does that mean that I'm not the righteousness of God until I become the righteousness of God? I'm going to tell you absolutely not, but I'm going to prove it to you by Scripture. Because so many people that I know have a mentality that they are not righteous, that they're unrighteous, that no one's righteous, that the Bible says there's no, none righteous, no, not one. Does the Bible say that? Absolutely it does. I'm going to read it to you in a minute. But it says a whole lot more than that. And people stop with the fact that they think that they're not righteous because of their mistakes. That, that, will, that will cause your life to implode. <clears throat> literally. Literally self-destruct living with that type of thinking. As I said to you, this is elementary. Dear Watson, anyway. <clears throat> so, think about these several thoughts before we kind of press into what I want to talk about. He was made sin for our sin. And I said this to you last week, I say it again. If he didn't, if he wasn't made sin, then you're not saved. And you have to think about that. He knew no sin, but the Father made him sin. He made him to be sin. He never committed it. He was the spotless lamb. And you and I have to understand it. And even if we don't understand it, you need to believe it because it says it. And the more you believe it day to day, the more you declare it over yourself every day, the more you begin to see yourself the way He sees you. God does not see you in your mistakes. And I'm going to read a scripture today that will blow you out of the water. It did me anyway. Maybe it won't blow you out of the water. I've read it many, 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 many times and God gave me revelation about it, but it's not yet. And I made this point last week that what we know happened to him physically, the abuse, Isaiah said he was unrecognizable in the torture that came against him physically. But what happened to him spiritually 
can't even compare. What happened to him spiritually, the death that he died spiritually, there's no comparison to what he, how he was inflicted physically. I believe the passion of the Christ did a phenomenal job of showing the abuse that came against his physical body, but I don't believe that even touched it. Because in, in that show, he was still recognizable. Isaiah said he was so tortured, so physically tortured, he was unrecognizable, but spiritually what he went through, the death that he died, spiritually, sin, he became sin. He became everything that hell represented for you and I so that you and I could be free. We've got to understand that. We've got to see that. Listen to me. There is so much more that is available to us than just being forgiven. I mean, if that's all it was that we're just forgiven, man, that's enough. We can go to the house and, and that's, a, that, that's enough. We can live our whole life just being forgiven. It's so much more than, than heaven is my destination. Glory to God, this place isn't all there is. Heaven is a real place. And I'm telling you, there is so much more to righteousness than the fact that we're forgiven and heaven is our destiny. There's so much more of that now that we're to live in. I am, I'm going to say something to you, I'm going to paint this picture for you. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I know it. The enemy does everything he can to come against me, to try to convince me that's not true. That's, that's his job. That's what he does. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of what we say. Can you say amen to that? I came from a family that was not born again. My grandfather was at one point a very wealthy man, and then in the 1940s, he became manic depressive. So he was up and had huge downfalls, and when he came up, he was way up. He, he destroyed his whole financial world, investments and all the things that he had. He destroyed all of that. He was up and down and up and down and stole from people when he was up and lied to people and did all kinds of things. My, my grandfather ended up having not a real good name. Um, my father wanted no part of that, and my father's has a really great name and, and uh, is well thought of by many, 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 many people, has many different awards in his life and those kind of things. Other family members of mine were not so good because none of my family was saved until I was. The tendency is that you stay connected to your past. That's the tendency. Most people, you know, are, are, are family people. Family is good. God created family, and you need to be connected to family. But I can say, and I think all of my family members would agree with this. I mean, you, you can tell me if, if I'm off on this. If I am next Sunday, I'll repent. <clears throat> but I think all my family members would agree with this, that as a result of, I'm not taking credit for it, I'm just saying as a result of the fact that I got saved, 
I got born again. And all my family today is saved. All of them are saved. That their lives are better and we're better. I mean, we got our differences and we got stuff and issues and things and all that kind of thing. But all of our children, my siblings, all of our children are born again. All, all, you know, and, and, and then on and on and, and greater extensions of that born-again connection in life. But it's because now, today, we're not connected to our past. We're connected to today. My dad made lots of mistakes, came from a family that was, you know, drama-filled. But my investment into my father has helped establish righteous, righteousness in him and to other family members around. Again, I'm not taking credit for anything, but somebody had to get saved, right? Somebody has to step up and become like the patriarch to set the tone for everybody else to follow. Somebody's got to do it so that it happened. It's all because of what he did, but somebody's got to do it. I'm not going to be tied to my past. I'm not going to be unrighteous because of all the mistakes that my family made. I'm not going to be unrighteous because of all the mistakes I made. I'm overcoming and getting on top of that and putting up with nothing in life. Can you say amen? Not with anything except what he says I can have. This verse of Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, really encourages us in this that we've got to be instructed. He said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. He said, all Scripture is profitable for you, all Scripture. Genesis to Revelation. All Scripture is profitable for you and to you to be instructed in righteousness. And how vitally important it is for you to become a person that lives and does what's right because it's right from a heart that is free from sin and guilt and shame and everything else. I cannot make decisions from shame. They'll be wrong. I can tell you right now, every one of them will be wrong. You cannot make decisions from guilt. You cannot make decisions from a mind that is, that is, that is guilt and fault-ridden because of the mistakes that you've made in life. I don't know about you, but I came one day to a, re- a revelation. You know what? It's time to quit making stupid mistakes. Can you say amen? amen. So, <clears throat> I want to look at just two or three passages as we kind of pull this together and close this today. I'm going to start in Romans chapter 3 and and verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So, it's written, right? The Bible says that. There is none righteous, no, not one. Notice what he said in the next couple of verses. There is none who understands. Wow. Wow. We've been reading Proverbs since the beginning of the year, and it said, in all you're getting, get understanding. (laughs) Huh? 
Wisdom is the principal thing, and in all you're getting of wisdom, get understanding. But no one understands. Oh my gosh, so I'll never understand anything. I, I, I get people tell me all the time, you just never know what God's going to do or what God's going to think or what God says. You just never know. You can, there's never any understanding of what is right with God. Really? Okay? And they get it from here. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. So we live our lives just ashamed and downtrodden. And there's no way we can do this. No understanding. There's no way we can do what's right. There's no way this, that, and the other. And you think that that's a little exaggerated, but when you, when you boil it all down and you get down into people's lives and really see what's going on, that's the way people think. Now, I would encourage you to go back and read the, the nine verses before this and the, the however many verses after this, about uh, eight or nine verses after this, because we're going to go, we're going to jump to verse 21. But read in there, and what it's talking about is the law. I can tell you today, there are not a one of us in this place that are righteous. Not a single one of us. You speak under the law, and under our abilities, and what we can do and accomplish, there's not a one of us righteous. But thank God for verse 21. But now, when? When is that? Right now. Right now, he said. The righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. Now, I want you to do it with a passion. If you're born again, lift your hand real high. Real high if you're born again. Woo! Now, I just read that you're righteous. Did I, did, I re, did I read that right? Huh? Old covenant, old way of thinking as a result of what Adam and Eve did in the garden... For 4,000 years, there wasn't one righteous. After Jesus came, there's still not one righteous. Still not. But Jesus. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Do you know how many people have taken that little bitty verse of Scripture right there, didn't look at what was before it, and didn't look what was after it, and said, huh? And, and made that statement. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what? We have no help? We have no hope? Yeah, there's not one righteous. And I promise you, every one of you in here, every one of us have sinned. Every one of us in here have sinned, and there's not one of us righteous as a result of what our eldest brother and sister, Adam and Eve, did in the garden. 
or parents or whatever you want to call them. Not one of us righteous. But watch this. Woo! <laughs> and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Absolutely. Being justified, that word justified is being made righteous. It's the same, it, 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 well, there's about four different words for justification. And three of those come from words declaring righteousness. And in this case, it's, you can interchange the two words. Watch this. I'm going to read it like this. Being made righteous freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation, how? One who stood in by His blood. We're not righteous. We've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, but the blood of Jesus. He's made us righteous. He made you right with God. You are as right with God as Jesus is right with God because of what He did. He took all sin on Himself, and, and, and it's not so much that He took it, He was made it. So when you are all of the unrepented sin that mankind would ever be, then your destiny is hell. Acts of sin don't send people to hell. Not believing in Jesus send people to hell. And he took all that on himself, and he was headed to the brink of hell. He went to hell, to the doors of hell, to the gates of hell, and he led all those from the previous generations into a place of captivity into Christ Jesus. Because so many of them repented when they had the chance. When they saw what the blood of Jesus did, and there's no way that could have happened had he not gone and been everything that is ugly about you and I, Everything that's been ugly in our past, our family's past, all the generations back to Adam and Eve, he took all that on himself. And you and I have no hope we're without God if we don't have that. But now, everybody say now. But now, glory to Jesus, but now. That verse 21, the first two words, but now. You need to go take some lipstick or something and write it in your mirror in your bathroom. But now, but now, no matter what, no matter about anything else, but now we've been made righteous. Amen? He said, set forth as propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Because His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, as I just got through saying, to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just or righteous and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. He's going to make everything right in your life if you'll let Him. 
See, he's already made everything right. But he's the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in the fact that he did what he said he did. So if you and I let him, then he makes everything. That's how we become the righteousness of God manifested day to day. Because we allow him to deliver us from the sin and the guilt and the shame consciousness. Be able to, what the Apostle Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press toward the mark. The mark of the justifier. He's justified me. I'm free. You need to be telling yourself that every day. You're free. You're not guilty. You've been delivered. Can you say amen to that? Again, I just say it like this. I am as right as Jesus is right. Because of what Jesus did. I am as right as Jesus is right. Is Jesus right? Is he sin free? Is he shame free? Is he guilt free? Or is, or is Jesus guilt ridden? No. So when I'm guilt ridden, it's because I'm not allowing him to justify my life and establish me based on what he says and the way he sees me and the way he thinks. I'm not allowing it. I'm staying with the old stuff. Woe is me, how bad I am, all that I've done. You know, a lot of times I see this. I, I, I had about three people come to my mind when I was saying this. doesn't matter who they are. No, nobody around here. Everybody around here is perfect. <laughs> but, but just I had three people that quick came to my mind. When you live your life to justify yourself, a lot of people get mad and angry. They get mad with other people. You know why? Because there's no repentance in self-justification. See, in God's righteousness and justification, there's, re- there's true repentance because of humility. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, then He exalts you His way. You don't have to justify yourself. You don't have to work anything up. You don't have to make anything happen in life. He's the justifier. He will show you what to do, then you do it. One person, you know what? I mean, I've been this way. I'm not judging this person at all. It just came to my mind because I've been praying about, you know, how to speak into this woman's life. She lives in another city. I've been thinking, God, show me how to speak into her life. And help her to see she doesn't need to do this. Because she, you know, when when people are in self-justification, they're mad at the world, and it's everybody else's fault. And when it's everybody else's fault, there's all these things that have not gone right in their life. And every situation that hasn't gone right, the one thing that's the same is them in that situation. But it's still everybody else's fault for why things didn't work out. 
why would we want to live that way? I want to live like that. I mean, I have at times, you know, coming out of junk in my life. I realize those kind of things. But when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He's the exalter. He's the one that causes things to happen and come to pass. He's the deliverer. Pride will shut you down. I'm just telling you, I know. Pride will shut you down. And why do we need pride? When we're the righteousness of God in Christ, and He's the justifier, justifying our lives and causing us to be made that and manifest that in our lives, why would we want anything else than that? I want what's right with Him. Can you say amen? Hebrews 12 and 23. It's got a little bit more. Hebrews 12 and 23. Gosh, I love this. <laughs> Woo! To the general assembly and the church. Everybody say, that's me. And the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Well, if you have a driver's license in Texas, then you're registered in Texas as a Texan. Hmm? But when I got born again, my name was registered in heaven. It's already there. Already registered. Look at it. He said, to the general assembly, pretty much all of humanity, and the church, which is us, and the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men. Everybody say just men. He's talking about men and women. Just men and women made what? I've already been made perfect. He didn't just say Jesus. He talked about the firstborn. Huh? Jesus Christ Himself was our eldest brother. He's the firstborn. We're the second. And the spirits of men made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of this new covenant, and, watch this, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Just real condensed, short version of what happened to Abel. Cain and Abel were Adam's and Eve's sons, two of them. Cain killed Abel. Why? Because he was righteous. He did what was right. And Cain envied him and had jealousy. I'm telling you, envy and jealousy is kind of like a murderous thing. The Bible says, actually in 1 John 3, I think it is, 2 or 3, it says that when you have envy and, and, and disdain like that in your heart, you, you're, you have a murdering spirit. And Cain fulfilled that and walked that out. But it says that the blood and the sprinkling of the blood of the Lord Jesus, it speaks better 
than the blood of Abel speaking. And from the ground, the blood of Abel is speaking what? Hey, I was done wrong. I did nothing wrong. This was an injustice. (laughs) And when you're not under the new covenant and you're not allowing the blood of Jesus to work on your behalf, then your past is speaking out. Or your present is speaking out. And all kinds of things come out of you like, you know what, I was done wrong and I, I, didn't, I don't deserve this and I don't, I don't deserve any of those kind of things. No, you and I deserve hell. Because of Adam and Eve, we deserve hell. But the sprinkling on the mercy seat of the blood of Jesus, that blood is speaking out. Bert Wimberly is innocent. <laughs> He's innocent. Now watch this. Watch this. This is so great. And everybody says, yeah, and, and Cain should be condemned. No. No. Cain's forgiven too. If Cain repents, Cain is forgiven. Right? Now watch this. Now get this. And this is where we've got, because listen, in your soul, the enemy will come to your mind if you allow him to and try to categorize sins. Well, yeah, this this one, I guess I can get over, and this one, but not this one. A guy sitting in the state pen, there's many of them that have murdered people. I'm I'm not saying... Don't don't misunderstand the way I'm saying that. They've murdered people. But if they repent and they receive Jesus into their life, they become the righteousness of God in Christ. And if they learn to develop a life of repentance, even though they murdered and they have to pay the price and they end up going to the electric chair or they live the rest of their life in prison or whatever it is, it doesn't change the fact that they are forgiven And the blood of Jesus has wiped away their sin like they never did it. And the way you live like that is found in my last passage that I'll end this message today with in 1 John 1, starting with verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from Him And declare to you, this is the Apostle John saying this. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we're liars. We're not practicing the truth. So you're not developing the righteousness of God. You're not developing it because you're not repenting for your actions, and you're not seeking God, and listen, remember, remember in Romans, not, and no, not one will seek God. Not one is seeking after God. Huh. Sorry, I am. How about you? No, we're seeking after God because of what the blood of Jesus has done, and now it's empowered us to be able to overcome those lies and those thoughts, thinking that I can get saved and then do nothing. mm 
then you're not becoming the righteousness of God that He made you to be. Watch this. But if we walk in the light, remember the entrance of His Word brings light. So if we're walking in the light, we're developing our daily routine, we're allowing the Word to come in our ears and our eyes, get down in our heart and come out of our mouth. When we're developing that, He said, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. That heart of being cleansed of a sin and a shame and a guilt-ridden conscience establishes a person in righteousness and causes them to live and do what's right because it's right. That's a victory that shuts the enemy down every single time, every situation, every day of your life. Totally annihilates him and shuts him down. Watch, because of what he says right here. These last two verses. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you declaring over yourself, sin has no dominion over my life. But to say that you don't miss it and you don't make mistakes and you don't disobey and and do this or that, to say that you don't do that is pride and it shuts all this down. Thank God for the last verse here. But He says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves because the truth is not in us. Now watch this. Here's here's, Here's the key to deliverance in your and my life and to walking in righteousness every minute of every day. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, watch this, from all unrighteousness. So if He's faithful to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, then what's left? Righteousness. So I'm privileged to have a life where I can live right the rest of my life. If I learn to repent, learn to deal with pride, and deal with self-justification, trying to justify my actions. I don't know how many years ago it started with my wife and I. I won't tell you how I got there. But I got to this place where I realized there's too many times in a day that I'm catching myself coming back with justification about a situation. I'm talking about in, in her and my relationship. And the Lord said, you know what the Lord said to me? This is years ago. He said, I want you to be void of any opinion where your wife is concerned. That had to be the devil. 
said, I want you to be void of any opinion. And man, I'm telling you, that became really difficult. And I can hear people, I can hear people's thinking out loud right now. Someone's going, what do you mean you didn't have an opinion? Hey, I'm telling you, God told me that, and I've been working it out for the last 15, 20 years. When he told me that, I knew, about it, I knew as much about it as you do right now. But he told me, shut your opinions down. Because what I noticed was, and then God, he, he showed me, he said, I want you to start writing down every time you come back with something. I mean, you know, he told me that, but, you know, five years later, I was still doing it. You know, less, but still finding myself doing it. And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to write down every time you have something that, that is a comeback for something that is said. Because what he was teaching me to do is, he said, you're the, you're the head of your home. You're the high priest of your home. You're the head of your wife, the Bible says. And he said, you can't lead for being trying to be right. I'm going to say it again. You're not leading because you're trying to be right. You're trying to make all the right decisions and, you know, choose what we do here and do all this kind of stuff. You're trying to be right, and you're always coming back with a disagreement if she has an opinion about something. And he said, what a real leader learns to do is he learns to listen and then take in the information and then develop real one-on-one conversation about the situations. Communicate? <laughs> Let me just kind of headline it and say, let's do this and, that, and that'll all fix it. And I said, you're trying to fix things. You're just trying to be right. And I can just say for myself, if God didn't tell you to this, then, you know, don't copy it because I said it. You can glean from it. I promise you, you can glean some good information from it. There's some things that I had to get over. And I had to learn how to be a leader and not just a talker or one trying to, you know, just fix a situation and try to be right about everything and try to, you know, make everything kind of work out. God's got it already worked out. But there's certain principles in this that you have to learn where righteousness is concerned. So see, if God told me that about my relationship with my wife, almost 20 years ago, if he told me that, then that's what's right for me. See, at the end of the day, we're going to obey the Word. And as long as what God says to you, you can line up with the Word of God, then you have to take it as from God. And I took it as from God, and I've been developing that, and it made me actually into a whole new man. Because when I first heard that, I thought that was impossible. Everybody has an opinion. That's what's wrong with our country. Too many stinking opinions. We need to learn how to do what's right. Can you say amen? So remember, you're innocent 
And you need to be reminding yourself every day that the blood of Jesus has made you innocent. I am not guilty. Shame has no place in my life. Sin has no dominion over me. I think 14th chapter of Romans said, sin shall not have dominion over my life. You can declare that over yourself every day and allow the wisdom and the understanding of God to mold you and make your thinking so you're thinking the way God sees you and that produces righteousness in your life. That's how we become the righteousness that He made us. I'm going to read this verse of Scripture every time at the end of these messages, so this is my last two verses. The way of righteousness, this is Proverbs 4 and 18 and 19 in the New Living Translation. The way of righteousness is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines ever brighter until the full day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. That's why we need the entrance of His Word that brings light and life, and it has to progress. When you stay in darkness, and you stay in unrighteousness, and you stay in self-justification, it's like the room is black and you don't, you don't even realize the things that you're tripping over in life. The things that are literally hindrances. But when the light's on, you can know and you can navigate around those things because you're led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.